0: If you go ahead and take your chairs, please. Thank you, worship team. Amen. Why well, not we give our, a hand of appreciation to our worship team. Amen. We're always working hard. Man, nothing like good music. You all have Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. And we're going to read down um, through verse... To Sixteen. He is the one who gave these gifts to the church. Apostles, prophets, evangelists, and pastors and teachers. Their responsibility is to equip God's people to do His work and to build up the church, the body of Christ. Until we come to such unity of our faith and knowledge of God's Son that we will be mature and full grown in the Lord. Say. Mature and full grown. Let me continue reading. Measuring up to the full stature of Christ, then we will no longer be like children. Let me read that again. Then we will no longer be like children, like Ramparoom, forever changing our minds about what we believe because someone has told us something different or because someone uh, has cleverly lied to us and made the lie sound like the truth. Instead, We will hold to the truth in love, becoming more and more in every way like Christ, who is the head of his body, the church. Under his direction, the whole body is fitted together perfectly. As each part does its own special work, it helps the other parts grow so that the body is healthy and growing and full of love. Father, we thank you. We love you. We praise you. We give you all the honor and all the glory. I ask, Holy Spirit, that you would take full control of my mind, my thoughts, my words, and that they would go out with anointing, penetrating the hearts and minds. For I believe it is the anointing that breaks the yoke of bondage, not by might or by power, By your spirit, saith the Lord. I pray that we would be those who would take your word and use it. That we would be soldiers, warriors, ready and willing to mend broken people. In Jesus' name I pray. Amen. A study of 5,000 pastors across the USA, they asked the question what is their greatest need? in their church. Well, before I say that, answer that, James D. Smart said this, Jesus was not satisfied in having a succession of audiences to which he might proclaim his gospel. He was interested primarily in having disciples in whom and through whom his ministry would be multiplied many times over. Now with that in mind, 98% of all pastors said uh, the number one or number two need and priority was to get people in the church involved in doing the work of the ministry. In Ephesians 4, Paul tells that our responsibility as pastors is to you as a congregation. I am responsible to you. Verse 11 talks about the gifts that God gave the church to help build the body. And verse 12 says something that I'm going to really focus on. It says that I must equip you to do the work of the ministry. So my job is not to make you feel good, although you may feel good when you leave. Uh, My job is not to make you laugh, although I I tend to make myself laugh when I preach, so you might laugh with me. But my job is plain. I need to equip you to do the work of the ministry. Uh, I must make you salt. You come in and you may not be salty, but as you get the word, you become that salt of the earth. Uh, And salt does the work of the ministry. It is salt. So as we approach Christmas, I need to remind you that there are hurting people all around you. Right? Hurting and me, as your pastor, I cannot help them. Why? Because there's only one of me and there's many more of you. So your neighbor is at your reach. Your family is in your hearing distance and your friends are waiting for you to invite the Apostle Paul said that the, the moment that I equip you to do the work of the ministry and you begin doing the ministry, three things happen. First, it says, you will be mature. See, everybody says, I want to grow in Christ. I want. I want to. I want to be different. I want to, you know, develop. And, and the key to growing in Christ is not how long you've been in church. Right. What have I often said? You know, you heard it. Uh, you can go to your garage every day of your life but you will never become a car. You can go to church all you want, but that does not make you a Christian. It's not until you begin doing something where you begin to mature and grow. That's the first thing that have. The second thing that happens is you'll be edified. See, the, I have learned that when I'm going through it the most is when I have to minister the most. Because it's in the ministry, in the ministering rather, that I gain my healing. I gain my strength and I gain my edification. In the doing I gain it. Not sitting around moping and saying, what should I do? The edification comes in the doing. And the third thing that happens that he indicates is that the church congregation will grow numerically. So this is my role in our church. Paul teaches very clearly that I must equip you to do the work of the ministry. So Christmas is upon us. Why am I saying this? Because Christmas is upon us. The world recognizes that Jesus was born, which is incredible. It is the only religion that gets that type of recognition globally. You go anywhere, everywhere, there's some form of of, of Jesus uh, is coming on the we all have the, the, the fable of the, the wise men. And you, we have these different things that, that, that are just part of tradition. Silent night. Oh, holy night, right? All these songs that are Christian hymns that, that are received into every household, whether they believe it or not. It's an amazing thing that we have. Uh, uh, Christ, Christmas. The greatest story. And this is the greatest story ever told belongs to you. Huh? You have that greater story. So here's a fact. Unless or here, unless uh, the pastor equips the congregation to do the work of the ministry, unless the congregation equips you, this is what happens. The pastor is in the way. If, if I don't equip you to do it, then I, that means I'm in the way. And some people it's taught where the ministers or, or those leaders, they do all the work and we just come to church. No, no, no. That, that, is, that is a lie. The ministry is in you. Our job is to equip you, to make you the better you so that you can be an example and a message to the world. Amen? So I'm constantly looking for people with the capacity to do what needs to be done. Always. Always. Now, on the other hand, the church must want to reach maturity. That's the difficult part. Nothing I can say, no, no motivation technique, no, 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 nothing can reach inside you and make you want to be mature. That has to come from you. So, unless you want it, no matter how good it may be up here, the music, the presentation, it'll never happen. You must have a want to, I want to do this, right? Most choose a personal form of living, but you must seek edification through ministry. I'm saying something really very deep. I'm going to get you where I'm going to get you. You know, they were singing, I want to spend my life uh, mending broken people. And, and my, my topic is that you're called to be a mender. You have to mend people. And when I look at Christmas, I don't look at Christmas like, ho, ho, ho. Oh, well, that's cool. We're going to have Santa Claus. I think maybe we're going uh, to nominate my nephew to be Santa Claus. Amen. Somebody. but that's cool. And if some people get offended by Santa Claus. I don't know. Nothing gonna offend me. As long as we put him in the right place. Right? Let's just have fun. Some people even get offended at Christmas tree. I know some Christians are like, ooh, a Christmas tree. That's a, that's a pagan, pagan uh, form of worship. That's, that's a tree. Hello, somebody. That's a tree with lights. That's all it is. And and, so th- and they get so caught up with, with the religiosity, they mean the true meaning. See, Christmas to me is evangelism. I mean, we have the greatest story. It's in every household. They have cards on, on TV. We're talking about God. Continue. It's evangelism. See, evangelism really is reproducing after your kind, in your likeness. Genesis 1 God said, Let the land produce vegetation, seed bearing plants, trees on the land that bear fruit, with seed in it, according to their various kinds. And it was so. Genesis 1 So God created the creatures of the sea, every living creature, moving thing which seems which, which in the water, according to their kinds. Every winged bird according to its kind. And God said that it was good. In 124, God said, Let the land produce living creatures according to their kind, livestock, creatures that move along the ground, wild animals each according to its kind. And it was so. So he tells everything. And I've often said, you know, it's amazing what God does. When When he spoke to the land, he said, Reproduce after your kind. And the land responded. Right? When he spoke to the water, he spoke to the water. Reproduce after your kind. And it was so. But when it came to man, when it came to man, God spoke to himself. That's very interesting. When he spoke to the water, they, they listened. And they created creatures. When he spoke to the dirt, it listened. And he created vegetation. And it listened. When he wanted to create man, he spoke to himself. And he says, we must create man after ourselves. And then the charge continues. I'm getting you somewhere. See, it's like this. Pastors make pastors. Amen? Because what? I'm reproducing after what? My kind. Sheep make sheep, right? Now, let me let you know something. If if you get two dogs, they'll make another dog. If a cat comes out, something's wrong. Right? So it's very, very simple. So church members make, let me say that again, church members make. Church members. Why? Because we produce after our kind. Amen? It's a principle, a natural principle of growth. So this, the Christmas season is often the best time to make others after our kind. Right? So, to find out what kind you are, you need to investigate what you make. You know, you ever, say, you ever heard of this term? Oh, that guy or oh, that girl? She's a troublemaker. Right? So, troublemakers produce what? You know the old adage, you know, my mom would say it in Spanish, you know, but I'll say it in English tell me who you hang around with, and I'll tell you what you are. Right? Why? Because you always reproduce after your kind. So if you want to know who you are, look at your kind. See, we're trying to change. That's why the Bible says you're born again or you're a new creation. Right? And now as this new creation, you should be reproducing after your kind. Amen? Are you with me? So if you cannot reproduce, and for the most part, listen, when people come to church, that's, a, that's a, a, an abstract concept, right? We're, we're just trying to take care of ourselves and make ourselves better, but God said, no, 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 it goes beyond that. In the making yourself better, really the only way to make yourself better is to make somebody else better, right? And in that process of making somebody else better, you become better, right? So my job is to teach you how. And that's what I always try to do. It's teach you how to teach others to become better that you might mature. That you might and you will be better. So the responsibility of the pastor is to equip the congregation to do the work of the ministry. So what does it mean to equip? Well, how are we going to do it? See, equipping is a very interesting word. The first time we find it in the New Testament in the Greek, it's associated with Peter, James, and John. They're out there. They were fishermen. Jesus came upon them and said, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. We all know that story very well. That he said, He's seen these guys, come with me. In Mark chapter 4, 19 through 22, we read the story. And it reads like this He said to them, Follow me, and I will make you fishers of men. Immediately they left their nets and followed him. And going on from there, he saw two brothers, James the son of Zebedee and John his brother, in the boat with Zebedee their father, mending their nets. And he called them. Immediately they left their boat and their father and followed him. At this meeting, these four guys were in their boat and they were doing something that fishermen have done for centuries. They were mending their nets. The word mending in the Greek is the very same word that Paul uses in verse 12 when he said, the responsibility is to equip God's people for the work of the ministry to build up his church, to equip. He could have said the, 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 the responsibility is to mend God's people for the work of the ministry. But he didn't say, he did equip. But it's the same thing. Paul says, I will make you fishers of men. As they were mending their nets, he says, hey, you're mending your nets, but I'm going to equip you. I'm going to help you become fishers of men. The same word. So Jesus knew at that time, I got to teach them how to mend. So my job is to teach you how to mend. Why? Because you're a net. huh? The net is a church. So you got to understand, this is a very important. You are the net. Now, if I could take you all, I wish I could, and do it real quickly, is have every one of you grab a hand, you know, and just cross angles. And if everybody grabbed a hand at every angle, you would resemble a net, right? You'd be, you'd be touched together. That net. That's where we get the word network. See, a net There's no good hanging on the wall. For a net to be good, it must work. So, thus, you need a network. Huh? See, network described or defined is a fabric or structure of cords or wires that cross at regular intervals, are knotted or secured at the crossings. A net. Also, it's an interconnected or interrelated chain, group, or system. A network, an interconnected group or association of persons, such as friends, professional colleagues, or a church. A support network. You've heard that. that these are nouns. Now, that the verb of network is really interesting. To network, the verb of network, which is that action word, is to join. Such as computers in a network. If you know anything about computers, you could be alone. But if you're tied to a network, oh, now, now you got juice, you got power, right? And, and it's all inter, intermingled. But they get that word net from the word mend. Now, if you know computers, there's a thing in the computer network called a bug. And you, if you know how to maintain a network and keep it running, because they're always breaking down, you will make six figures. Your 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 wife does that, right? She's she's an engineer. She's a brainiac, right? Making all that money. Why? Because they're always having to mend the network, mend the network, mend the network. So, what does the picture of mending and equipping teach us? As a pastor, I know one thing about mending the network. It's a continual process. In other words, one one year, wow, man, the, the church is really together. But what happens when you're reaching out like a net and you throw a net out to catch fish, when you pull that net back in, there's always a tear or a rip right? So it's like the church. You may be working. Oh, I'm going to get involved, pastor. And the moment you get involved, we throw you out there and somebody t- cusses at you. Uh, you get, you get an unwanted bill. The, the enemy attacks you. Boom. try to hit, hit you here, hit you there. and You're all beat up. You're like, Why am I doing it? See, when you're involved in a network, things happen. And you always have to be mended. It's a continual process. A continual process never stops you got to mend. Every day after fishing, they bring their nets in. They look at their nets. They inspect the fish. Ooh, good fish. All right? They remove the fish. They notice the tears of the net. So they mend the net again. Every day. The, 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 the net is all together. So they are mending a net right now. And you're going to go out all feeling better. But guess what? If you run to a fish, because you're running to all kinds of fish, Barracudas, big mouth bass, right? Piranha, stinky fish. And what happened? The whole week long, the net gets torn. Gets torn. Anybody go through any trials last week? Life has a way of doing that. So the beauty of it is when you belong to a network where people are actually working, you come back. And you get mended. That's why we talk about, you, you, should, you know, I don't know how you make it that long. Yeah, I don't know how you can do it that long. Uh, you know, come back Wednesday. You should, want, you should try the life group because life will tear you down. God bless two people, I think. Because life just does it to you. And so you need to be mended. You need to continually mend it. Today, after you feel good, don't, don't think it's, that's it. No, no, no. If you don't continue the process... Uh, you won't you won't stay strong. I have to continually mend myself. Continually every day. You know, I, one of the main reasons why I travel to other ministries and go to other places in the world is not because uh, I want to be uh, to minister. No, no. Remember, I learned something as I mend people, minister to people uh, through me. God heals me. So every time I go somewhere and I begin to preach and minister, I gain the healing out of that process, and I get more mature. That's the only reason I'm always doing something like that. And I'm trying to convince you, you need to do the same. Until you do it, you're going to hit again, and then you, you're going to be out there. And because you have nowhere or you have no network to, to, to link to, you're just left to flounder. Looking for a solution, looking for an answer, looking for something better. And because that's a continual thing, why do you think people are always getting high? Getting drunk. Getting drunk. Why? Because they're not being mended properly and that's all they have out there. So we have to be out there to to teach them to bring them in. Amen? Say amen. Amen. Fishers of men are always mending someone. Every day they know they're going to go back out and fish only to come back to shore and mend the nets again. So mending or equipping is a never-ending process. Mending, equipping the net. People are always under construction, always, because you're always going to be developing. There's never a time when you're totally equipped. See, leaders or people who want no fuss, no muss, won't worry, or rather, won't enjoy equipping. If you want everything perfect, you're not going to enjoy equipping. You just can't do it. Why? Because people are always needing mending. An ex-pastor became a funeral director. Someone asked him, why did you leave the pastorate to become a funeral director? He said, it's very simple. Pastoring was a mess. I remember Susie tried to get her off alcohol for a year, and she just went right back to it. It was a mess. And Joe, I straightened, I tried to straighten out his marriage for two years, and it's still a bad marriage. It's a mess. I just got so frustrated. So he said, I became a funeral director. Because here, when I straighten out people, they stay straight. No, no, mu- no fuss, no mess. Second thing is not only continue, it's a pur- it is the purpose of work. Or rather, mending is for the purpose of work. Mending nets are not for display. As soon as they, they mend the nets, they go fishing again. And we must attend church, right, to, to be amended and to fish. Right, when, when we come to church, we come to be mended to go fish. Ah! So if you come to be mended, but you don't go fish, then you're more of a display Christian. We should just hang you on the wall. See, as soon as they mend their nets, they go fishing. See, personal growth, to grow in your walk and development of Christ, you come to the church, but also to pass it on. We take what we've learned and we pass it on. So when we receive without giving, we become fat. When we give without receiving, we become faint. When we receive and when we give, we become faithful. So there's there's got to be a process. So how, so how do you pass it on to others? How do you give it? First, like any, you need a prospect. Who needs to know what I've learned? Who, who can benefit from the things that I'm benefiting right now today? Can, can anyone you know benefit? And you have to begin to prospect. Who? So we need to hear the message and ask ourselves, who do I know that can use this sermon, for example? So you're, you're, you're always thinking that way. You're not just say, feed me, God, make me feel better. And that may happen. But your first thought should be, how can this help somebody else? As you begin to think that, supernaturally, you get better. Second thing you need, you have action. You have to pass it on. Action. When will I pass it on? Do something. Hmm? One easy way is to download a message to your friends. Especially now we, we have a, 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 a YouTube page, Victory Outreach Colorado Springs YouTube. Get on there. Follow it. Send it to somebody. Very simple. My goodness, is simple. You, you, can, you can win elections doing that. I have a friend. He's in Florida. Okay, They had a big major election. This is a true story. I met with Steve Shucks and His friend was involved in trying to win the election in Florida. And, you know, that election, I think they spent like somewhere in the neighborhood of $50 million to get elected. That's a lot of moolah. Well, this guy is credited with winning the election. And what he did, he went on uh, uh, Facebook and he went on um, Twitter and these different accounts, and he found and he learned and he found something. He found that there were 250,000 poor minority moms who were receiving vouchers to send their kids to school. In Florida, they get money to, to send their, school, their children to the school of their choice. Wow. So, and, and, and inherently, when you're a minority, minorities tend to vote one way. They tend to vote Democrat. And so, the, they just sort of took it for granted. But this guy said, wait a minute. These, these women are getting this money to send their kids to school. 250000 He sent... 30 contacts to each one of those through Facebook, Instagram, or um, what's the other one? Twitter. Right? And he sent 30, during the election, he sent 30 points of contact to each one of them. Right? And then what happened is the one who got elected was for vouchers, and the one who didn't get elected was against vouchers. Well, he sent these 200, to all these 250,000 minority moms. Those moms put that man in office, and there was a credit that 150,000 black women voted for that man who was for vouchers and put him in office over another black candidate. And they said, how could a black women vote for, a, vote for a, a white guy when they had a black guy? That's when they get involved in race. It had nothing to do with race, but it had everything to do with the right contact. Contact. Say Contact. Because they just all they did is said, this guy is against vouchers and this guy is for. And they, that was it. They never told him who to vote for. They just laid that out. Why am I saying that? It's very important. You have to share it. You have to learn to share it. Say share it. Let's get a biblical example. The growth of the Korean church is among the greatest legacies of modern day Christianity. In 1900... of Koreans were Christian. 1% in 1900. Right? Today, 71% of Korean Americans are Christian. And 30% of the country are Christian. And how did that happen? Somebody shared it. The growth of the gospel came at a cost. Now, what is the cost? If we go back earlier, because they didn't know how to win it. Because earlier the first Catholic missionaries in the 1700s were persecuted and sent back to Rome. They couldn't make it in Korea. The first Protestant missionary, Carl Gutzloff, stayed a month and got got out. I'm out of here in 1832. I ain't going in here. The next one, Robert Thomas, he arrived 50 years later, and they killed him. So by 1900, only 1%. But what happened? They reached one, and that one, all they did was begin to share it one. Huh? One. I say all that to say this as I close. Show. You have an example of what I'm supposed to be to pass it on. Are you an example? A lot of times people don't pass it on because they're in church on Sunday, but they're sipping saints Monday through Tuesday. They don't pass it on because they are well aware that their lives are not representing what the gospel tells us to do or to be. So we have to get our act together, practice. is See, coming to church is like getting in a huddle at a football game, right? We're here to call the players and get a strategy, to mend the nets to go to work. We come to church to learn something, Something that we learn to share it on, to move it on. So mending in the, is an extension of the equipper's work, mending. So fishermen who mend nets know their success is in the mending. People, ministries who grow ministries know that their success is in the people who they mend. Nets are never going to the, gonna go anywhere without... You taking them there. Next, get fish that can never be gotten. Here are the facts, and I'm going to close with these facts. 82% of unchurched are likely to attend church if a friend, co-worker, neighbor, or family member invites them. Let me say it again. These are facts. Eight out of ten, more than eight out of ten, would come to church if they were invited. Eight out of ten. Think about that. If you invited ten people, statistically, eight would come. That's a fact. Second fact. Gallup estimates 43% of 135 million Americans are unchurched. 43%. Of 135 million are unchurched. So 110 Americans would attend church if invited. 110, I don't know about you, that's a lot of people. 110. So when you think about that, okay, what's going on here? Here's the sad fact. And I'm going to close almost with this. Only 2% of church members invite an unchurched person to church. So the reason why people don't know is because only 2% of people in this church invite people. So my goal at our church, different people, with different backgrounds. Using different gifts at different times. In different places to meet different needs. All for God's glory. See, it's Christmas. And listen, this is, has nothing to do with Christmas, those facts. But Christmas is even a greater time to reach people for God's honor and God's glory. Why? Because I've lived in this world 50, you know, a long time, 60, oh, almost 60, my goodness, 58 years. And there's been many seasons where I have not been doing that well. Where I wish somebody, anybody would knock on my door and say, hey man, you want to go to church with me? And nobody did. Not until I found Vicarage on the street corner Doing a rally, and I I walked in in curiosity, and they got me. Well, when they got when I when I heard them, this that is what I have been waiting for for all my life. Listen, there are people out there that are waiting for you. They've been waiting for you all their life. Because everybody has that area in their heart that said, "I need God." I'm lonely. God, is there, is there anything more to life? Everybody asked themselves that question. So what do I have to do? I have to mend you. Make the net. And like I'm doing right now, I pray that you understand and you, you're healthy. You're good. So that I can throw you back out there. Now go get them. They're waiting for you. They're waiting for you. I want every bow and every eye closed.